Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, we have the second installment of Pastor Trish Gregory's powerful two-part message entitled, Now Faith. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Faith is, faith is what? Y'all so Bible. Y'all so Bible. <laughs> yes, faith is, and we know that what Hebrews chapter 11 says, but what is faith to you? So faith is, yes, and we know what the Bible says. Well, we're going to find out more for those of you that don't. But I'm, I want, Holy Spirit's trying to locate you. Amen. Where are you? Because, you know, if my house is built on the foundation of the Word of God, then what am I worried about? What am I fretting over? Why am I tripping? Why do I have an attitude? Why am I stressed? Huh? If faith is what you say it is. Now, earlier we talked about, is faith believing? Mm, a little bit. A little bit. Faith, you can believe anything. A lot of us believe a lie. Is that faith? No. It's not faith. So faith is not simply believing. But faith is the foundation upon which we can trust, rely on, depend upon, and live for a God that we are confidently assured will, that will deliver an answer. Of course, I'll read to you what faith is from Hebrews chapter 11. And we can go back there, media team. We have an awesome media team because, you know, I'm the one that's all over the place and they follow me. Praise God. So thank you, Toya and Kevin, always holding it down back there. But uh, to the rest of the team as well, Minister Nancy. Um, faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation says, that says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. The message says the fundamental fact of existence is that. This trust in God is faith, it's, it's the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we cannot see. The act of faith is distinguished. No, I don't want to read the rest of that. All right. And then Hebrews uh, 11 in the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, for divinely or divinely guaranteed, the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith is, it says now, so faith is right now. I want to get married. I start acting like it right now. I want to be debt free. I start doing things that act like it right now. I take Financial Peace University. I tithe. That's the greatest investment you can make. Take it from someone who's lived it. I'm believing God for my children, so I love more. I want increase, so I do things differently. I start now. And wherever you start, the little increments of that faith starts building until you are looking at what you've been believing for. And the goodness of our God is he often delivers bigger than what we thought. 
Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who approaches God must believe first that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Amen. To those who seek him. Now, we were talking about, you know, faith. A lot of you have been serving. Serve month is nine days in, and you all have been getting it done. There's been people at Reflections of Trinity, praise God. Yesterday I had my faith, uh, my um, serve project. I was not able to attend because I had a last-minute situation that happened in my family, extended family, had to go to a home-going service. But the LASH team and the um, men and women that volunteered and signed up showed out. And I hope they served in faith and are humble enough to receive the harvest that's coming their way. Because there's people looking for you all right now. Those of you that serve, people are looking for you right now, are on assignment to minister to you a refreshing, encouragement, increase, wisdom, direction, favor. They're looking for you right now. See, oftentimes we just serve to be serving. But God is positioning you in your service to receive. All right. So now, let's pick it up where we left off. Again, I encourage you to listen to part one. But now we are talking about faith. We are talking about, we're going to pick up with the seven keys to operative faith. The seven keys to operative faith. Earlier, we talked about seven simple faith success strategies, but those strategies are within you, things that you have to deal with within you. Go back and listen to it because I'm not going to review it. But now we're talking about things that are around you. Let's say there's within and then there's without, that which is around you. We were reading from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and I'm reading from the Amplified. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. The notes are in our linked up Bible app, our linked up church app, rather, and the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have it, get it. Verse 1. Now the wife of a son of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two sons to be his slaves. Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? In other words, Anne. But then he said, tell me, what have you of sale value in the house? She said, your handmaid has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go around and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not a few. And when you come in, shut the door upon you and your sons. Then pour out the oil you have into all those vessels, setting aside each one when it is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon herself and her sons who brought her to her the vessels as she poured the oil. When the vessels were all full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not yet one left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. Then she came and told the man of God, he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Mm -hmm. Now, this is an Old Testament happening. 
This happened. This is actual. This was a news break. Right? It happened. No doubt about it. And, you know, I was taught that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So there are truths in the Old Testament. In fact, the New Testament is three-fourths quotations from the Old Testament. So let's not negate and throw away the Old Testament. But understand that there are truths within the Old Testament that exemplify how we ought to live, walk, and talk. So now, we're talking about the wife, the widow woman, and the mother of a man of God who served Elisha. He is now dead. He left his wife and his two sons with land. This land produces, but she can't afford to maintain the taxes and the debt against the land. So they're coming to take her two sons as slaves to work off the debt. She says, man of God, you know me, and I know you know me. Because my husband, you know, feared God and served right along with you. So you owe me your audience. And she says to him, that the creditors are come to collect, and they want to take my sons as debt. And he says, Ann, what do you want me to do? And he says, wait a minute, what do you have? And she tells him, I have nothing but a jar of oil. Now, I'm making some emphasis here, and I'm slowing it down because I want you to get it. I have nothing but a jar of oil. He says, okay, that's all I need. Take the oil. Go borrow jars. Not just borrow, but borrow not a few. Get as many as you can get. Fill the jars. But while you're doing it, close the door behind you. Keep folks out of your business. And be sure not to be distracted by what God told you to do. And it was in the pouring that the multiplication happened. And after she finished, she went and told the man of God, I've done it. He says, now, go sell. And the goodness of God says, not only will it pay off your debt, but you and your son will be able to live off of the rest. Seven keys to operative faith. Early we talked about five success faith strategies. Now we're talking about seven keys to operative faith. Number one, faith recognizes value. Faith recognizes value. In verse 2, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of sale value in the house? She said, your handmaid has nothing but in the house but except a jar of oil. Now, this story has oftentimes been used as a prosperity strategy. And yes, it could be used for that. But ultimately, God is, that's such a simple thing to God. Money. It's easy to God. He's trying to get you. So, understanding value, recognizing value, faith recognizes what's there. So now, Elisha wants to help, but not in the way that she thinks he's going to help. He's trying to change how she thinks. 
He's trying to change and address her process. And he says, what do you have? You came to me, but what do you have? So when we recognize value, we recognize that what we have and who we are is valuable to God. And he can just work with the seed of that to make it work all work out. I don't care what it is. It could be despair. It could be a broken heart. It could be sickness and disease. Whatever it is, there's something within you. Because you're in this place right now, because you're watching online, he's saying there's something in you that's all I need. Didn't Jesus say, if your faith was but a, that of a mustard seed? I should have brought it out. I have some mustard seeds on my desk. It's pinned to my little wall. Just remind me that that's all God needs to manifest great things. Faith recognizes value. He says what you do have is what he works with. He's not trying to deal with what you don't have. And when you don't recognize the value of what you do have, you get consumed by what you are lacking. And when you're consumed by what you are lacking, it invites you to despair. Despair invites you to anxiety. Anxiety invites you to depression. Depression invites you to continued hopelessness. Now, don't fall into condemnation, but there's no reason for just as many Christians to be on Prozac or be on medication for depression and anxiety. Now, if that's you, don't fall into condemnation. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But along with that, there is an antidote, an antidote called the Word of God. And he can, through the continuum of time and commitment, inoculate depression, anxiety, emotional instability, whatever it is. God can only work with what you are and what you do have, not with what you don't have. And what you do have is so much more than what you realize. Number two, faith starts with a plan. Faith works well with a plan. Verse three, he tells her to go around and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not a few. Now he tells her what to do with it. Now he's telling her how she can have that access. You know, oftentimes we have dreams, but dreams are fantasies. They are. Until we put some action to that dream, it's just a dream. It's just something that's just out there. And you will be foolish to think it's just going to all of a sudden matriculate into reality. And you've done nothing about it. What do you dream about? What do you want? What do you aspire to? What is it? What is it? Maybe you're satisfied with where you are. I don't know. Are you? We as human beings, God's creation, we're always thriving for more. We are. But you got to be careful to not more, want more of the things then you want more of God. Because it's in the more of God that you get the other stuff. He says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. 
It is in that righteousness that you lack nothing. You learn to be content, but yet continue to thrive for more. Because when you are in this place of thanksgiving and contentment, you now start to, those who are, you know, I know quite a few very wealthy people, people, and they tapped into this here place where what I do is not for me. They really embrace that what I do is not for me. And they are studying what other people, now sometimes it's bad, I mean, it's not healthy, but then they start studying what other people want. And they try to fill this need of what other people want. And they realize that as long as I continue to serve, then I'll continue to reap. Now, people take it too far, but the principle is still the same. What is that that's just out there that you want and hope for, but you have not written it down? I asked a friend a few weeks ago, you said that you have some things that you really want to do, and, um, but you wouldn't tell me. Why is that? And she says, because I was, I'm not in a place yet to be held accountable. Because I know that certain friends I have, once I tell them, they're going to hold me accountable. And I respect that. Because that's exactly where I was, but our Holy Spirit called me out in front of about 40 people. Dr. Didi called me up, prophesied over me, and said, Trish, Trish, I mean, she was, that's exactly, Trish, 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 Trish. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, you've been complacent. And as soon as she said that, snot. <laughs> 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 Spit, cry tears all over the place. And guess what? I got 40 people that's holding me con uh, accountable. Faith starts with a plan. What is a plan? A set of actions that have been thought as a way to do or achieve something. You want to be a doctor? You know. You don't just, I believe God that I'm a doctor. The Lord said, I can have it if I confess it and say it. I'm a doctor. I'm a brain surgeon. In the name of Jesus. You ain't cutting on me. We know this in the simplest of terms. You got to finish school. You got to take the MCAT. You got to get in med school. You got to do that. You got to do an intern. Then you got to be an attendee or what is the intern? What is after that? Residence. Residence. Yeah, that's right. Residence. Residency. And then you got to do boards. Then, I mean, it's just a, it's a process. So faith recognizes and starts with a plan. Number three, faith requires access. Faith requires access. That verse three says, now go and borrow vessels, not a few. What do I mean by access? You have to evaluate your relationships and how you've treated people. You have to evaluate what do you, who do you have access to? Who do, because listen, she's not going to the neighbor she just cussed out last week <laughs> because they keep letting their dog poop in their yard. She's not going to the one across the street who she just 
gotten in, 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 a, in a battle with because they keep bumping into her doggone garbage can and knocking it over. Now, these things really did happen to me, but I didn't go and act that way. <laughs> She's not dealing with the other neighbor that keep parking at the foot of her driveway, making it tight for her to get out of her own drive. She's not, she's not going to those neighbors because she knows that she closed the door of access to them. So she had to be in a position in good relations with enough people where she could feel comfortable going to them and saying, can I borrow? Can I borrow something? I'm going on down. Can I, can I borrow some of, what, how many vases do you have? How many jars do you have? I got 10. 10? Mm -hmm. Can I borrow those 10? Yes. Can I borrow? Now, I know these girls. I know these girls very well. I'm not about to sit on most of you all's laps. <laughs> but I know I can sit on these laps right here. Why? Because I have access to them. I have relationship to them, with them. Right? So when I have that access, well, Luke talks about this. When he talks about the children of darkness had wisdom regarding, and it was access how this man who went back and, and cut debt and dealt with people that he had already been in relationship with. Oftentimes, you know, people talk about being in partnership with other people. Are you in partnership because there's a motive or do you really have access? Do I have access do well in other words do I have favor with this person is this person in this deal selfishly because they know that I'm smart and I'm and I might be in the situation wanting to partner with them because I know they have something it's called opportunistic and I want to latch on to them because they can get me what I need and and I'm hoping I can get them what they need now that's not access access says man I believe in you I want to invest in you I'm confident in what you, I've seen you in action. We've been in relationship enough where I know you, I've seen you and observed you long enough now to know that you're not about to try and rob me because you've had plenty of time and opportunity to do that to somebody else. And I hope you can judge my character and the integrity of my heart and say the same. That's access. So she now has access to these neighbors. And he said, don't borrow a few. Borrow as many as you need. Now, she got to pay off tax on land. I don't know. I'm just imagining it's a lot of land, right? Anytime they want to come and take the sons of slaves, it's a lot. It's, they want some debt to be handled. I mean, it's like mafia type stuff. <laughs> now, you have to have boldness to do something like that. You have to step outside of your comfort. How many people out there like me don't like asking other people for anything? Yeah, I will, I, I will, ooh, especially, you know, ooh, nah, I don't like it. <laughs> but it takes a place of humility but boldness to obey God. And it starts with humility because you got to be okay. And that's the thing. I know that about myself. I am still killing pride within me. I don't like asking people for assistance or for help because I don't want to seem as if I'm weak. But God says it's in my weakness that he is made strong. 
So who am I really trying to impress? Right? So in order to increase your capacity to grow in your faith, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You have to step out of what's familiar. Oftentimes, we're stuck in this place because we keep going back to the same well whose water is bitter. We won't wake up enough to say, you know what, this well don't work. Worse yet, we don't want to take out the tools and start digging another well. Where God is like, I have strengthened you to dig a new well, and in that well is, wa is living water. Yes. Number four, faith rewards diligence. Faith rewards diligence. Verse four says, shut the door behind you, behind you and your sons. Shut the door. And it was peculiar to me why he said to them, shut the door. <laughs> I mean... I'm in the kitchen. The kitchen is the back of the house. I'm just kidding. Y'all did not get that joke. <laughs> but, you know, why would he say to shut the door? Because oftentimes we have to know that our relationship with God has to be intimate. And he shows up in those private moments. And what goes on between me and God is not to be put on display as if God loves me more. Now, he does love me more than y'all. But I don't have to flaunt it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. Do not post that. <laughs> but do not, but, but not only that, but more so, remove the distractions. Close the door and keep the enemy out. In case the creditors show up, keep the enemy out. Remove the distractions. Focus on and be in faith of the pouring. Just focus on the pouring. Keep pouring. Keep, do not stop pouring. I don't care if you have to do it for 24 hours straight. Do not stop pouring because the miracle is in the pouring. You don't need the distractions of what's going on outside to turn your head from the miracle that's happening right in your hands. Scripture tells us to not grow weary in well-doing for we shall reap a reward if we faint not. So what are you doing that activates your faith that you like, I'm, I'm tired? And I submit this to you. Perhaps in your doing, we fail to recognize the multiplication that's going on. When we're focused on what we don't have, we fail to recognize the miracle of what we do, in our, do have and are getting. You know? Number five, faith functions in multiplication. Now, I hope I can break this down. Holy Spirit, give me the language to break this down. Faith functions in multiplication, whether it's simple multiplication, whether it's exponential multiplication, whatever, he, he multiplies above and beyond all that we can ask or think. So let me submit this to you. When we act in faith, something is happening. And we often say in the spirit realm, and yes, it is in the spirit realm. But when we function in faith, there's a positioning that's going around that's putting you in places and in front of people that have your answer. 
But if we're not careful, we can miss the miracle that's happening in our everyday mundane routine because we forget that we activated faith. So it's, it's, it happens in multiplication only because we see it that way. But it's been starting in little increments of multiplication. Because you know, one times one is what? Then one times two is what? So it's just us one acting in this faith. But as we continue in faith, we start seeing it get bigger and bigger, the answer getting bigger and bigger, the, the, the result being bigger and bigger, the manifestation getting bigger and bigger as we continue to operate in faith. But what we end up seeing is that oftentimes we have a plan and a process that we think God will show up in. God told me to call Kevin. Why did he tell you to call Kevin? Did he tell you to call Kevin or are you calling Kevin because you just happen to know Kevin? Oftentimes the answer that God has for you is exactly the opposite of where you are. In fact, if, if, if it's making you uncomfortable, then oftentimes that's where God is. If it, if it makes you like go back and forth and you're like, nah. Oftentimes that's exactly where he is. You know, I'll use this as a loose example, but you know, one big thing that I've been asked lately is people who are believing God for a house. They want to be a homeowner. Great ambition. Put your faith on it. Where's your faith? I believe God's going to go, okay. What are you starting to do? Now, basics. What are the basics, Minister, John, um, Minister David? What are the basics? If you want to buy a home, what do you have to do? What are the basics? You have to have a down payment. And then you have to have good credit, decent credit. Does it, did it start when you said, I'm believing God for a house? That's just the manifestation of a heart's desire. You're finally expressing it. But if you're, if you're really in faith about it, you started building credit yesteryear. Right? And then... As you, when you start to get to this place where you want to say, I'm believing God for a house, active, operative faith says, well, how much money do you have in a bank? Do you have the 3% that satisfies the FHA? Do you have the 20% that satisfies the best mortgage rate? And then season. Now, I'm not giving advice here. I'm just making some statements, all right? So don't go out there and try to do nothing. <laughs> well, I have this amount saved up, but the interest rates are so high that the payment is, well, maybe it's not your season, so keep saving, right? <laughs> keep saving so that the season is positioned and you're prepared because we know success is when preparation meets opportunity. When preparation meets opportunity, then you kicking down doors, right? Faith functions in multiplication. So now, when you're exercising that faith to get that house, just a loose example, now you have supernatural situations that's happening because you're ready. 
So now you got an anxious seller who wants to sell. The supernatural house is a buying opportunity. All of a sudden, this new program comes out. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You get gifts. Da-da-da-da. That's when you know, oh, my faith is operating. Oh, my faith is operating. These unusual situations. And God now, he, you had a plan, but God orders your steps. You had a plan, but God orders your steps. You had a plan, but God says, yeah, but my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than yours. And then you're walking in something that's supernatural. I can't tell you how many of y'all have invited me to bless a home. And then I'm like, whoa, how did this happen? <laughs> Praise God. Because you told me how much you made, but you was in faith for real. <laughs> right? Number six, faith honors worth. Faith honors worth. Verse seven says, when she came and told the man of God, he said, go sell the, uh, the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons will live on the rest. Faith honors worth. Scripture tells us to love your neighbors as you love yourself. But see, God is a type of guy who he says that because he wants you to love yourself. But oftentimes, we fall into this Christian nobility, this false Christian nobility, where I need to love my neighbor instead of myself. And we're willing to do things for other people because, and this is a real psychological issue. We get this God syndrome, this Jesus syndrome, where I feel like I'm not adequate in serving unless they see me sacrifice. And God has never called you to love your neighbor instead of yourself. When he calls you to serve, when he calls you to give, when, he, when you're walking in faith, your faith is not like, oh, I'm just standing in faith. I'm just standing. Man. You know, somebody, just a, a quick testimony. Now, some of you know I was diagnosed with something bananas a few years ago, right? And I, on purpose, some of you don't even know what kind of pain I'm in when I'm moving. And I, on purpose, choose to believe God through the pain. Amen. I am not going to be stiff and act like oh, I'm in faith. But a lot, a lot of people are like, what? Oh, I didn't know you were still dealing with that. I'm not dealing with it. He is. I'm just moving through it. I'm working with He's working with me and through me. And to the full manifest, manifestation. But let, let me tell you how this, how this you know, because I, I could, it's very easy. The doctor said you should be happy with where you are because people that just went through what you went through, they usually don't walk for two years. I did the peach tree nine weeks after the surgery last year. So I could easily settle in and say, you know what? Praise God. I just got to deal with a little pain. That's it. Nothing that some drugs can't help me out with when I need it. I could, I could deal with that. You know, well, praise God that, that, that I've come a long way. Amen. But see, God sent someone to minister to me before they even knew. No one knew what was going on. And he said to me, Pastor Trish, Holy Spirit told me to tell you that whatever they put in your body is going to function like flesh. Whatever it is they put in your body, they're going to, 
I didn't even know what they were going to do in, in my body. I knew the surgery, but I didn't know the degree to, what, to which they were going to implant a bunch of metal. And, but he said this weeks before the surgery, and I received it. I, re I mean, I received I said, whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm, I, I know that I'm, because, you know, you start tussling. Do I have faith? Am I in faith by accepting the surgery? You know, I could do, da, 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 da. I am no less of a woman of God operating and walking in faith because I went through a surgery. I went through the process. God used the process to aid the healing and the cure in my body. He, that's right. Jesus is the healer. They're just a, facil they're just a facilitator. Faith honors worth. Finally, I'm going to end here. Faith Faith's power rests in seeds. Faith's power rests in seeds. I just talked about the mustard seed that Jesus spoke about, right? I want to unfold the entire story. Theologians will teach you that the Bible is written in layers, which is why it's a living book. It's written, and it's written with layers. The first layer is the simple meaning. The simple meaning. The second layer is the intended meaning. Oftentimes there's intended meaning behind what's being said and expressed in the Bible. The third layer is the deeper meaning. That's the deeper revelation. What is this, uh, you know, symbolic of? What is this metaphor pointing to? And then there's the hidden meaning. And the hidden meaning is usually matched with what you see in, first, in, the, in the New Testament. The hidden meaning is oftentimes revealed in our own personal lives. The hidden meaning is manifested when we spend our time in the book, and he says that that word is the mirror that will show us ourselves. And then we see our own hidden meaning, right? And so, let me break this story down to you. Faith's power rests in seeds. Before any of this happened, this woman was married to a man of God who served Elijah and feared the Lord. We know that. But see, the seeds started happening in his fear of the Lord. His seeds started happening in his service to the Lord. He was among those prophets that challenged those priests of Balaam when they called down fire. He was with Elijah in that incident, right? So the story is told. It says here, he was one of the 7,000 remnants that had not bowed their knee to Baal. History says he was one of the 7,000 prophets that had not bowed their knee to Baal. Let me open your eyes. What you're doing now in faith does not only impact your immediate situation, your immediate future, but it impacts your legacy. What you're doing right now and how you're living right now, whether it's seen or unseen, is a spiritual seed that's being planted that impacts your children, your children's children, even your children's children's children. His service impacted the ones that he loved most and impacted a situation that existed beyond his own existence. She had access to Elijah because of what her husband did. He had a field. They used it to craft their craft to make supply for one another. They had to develop their own community. It says here, it suggests that perhaps 
He gave Elijah liberally, gave to him liberally because she really, she was really comfortable approaching him. So there was an intimate, a personal relationship with Elijah between her and her, her husband and him. Where she was like, dude, where you been? Let me tell you what's going on. You know, you know my husband. You know good and doggone well what he did and what he's been to, to you in the ministry. So this is what I need. But Elijah's like, okay, here you go. The real, the depth behind this is the woman actually represented the church of Jesus Christ. The woman was the one married to the man of God. The church of Christ is married to Jesus. So we should feel comfortable approaching the throne of grace, making known our petitions, and full of expectation that he cares enough about me to do something about my situation. And I don't care if it does not look like what I think it should look like. I know he is sending and he is manifesting my answer right now. It's in the earth. I just need to position myself in a way in which I can receive it. So what is it that I'm doing that's so familiar to me that I'm holding back the answer? What am I so used to? You know how many people are working jobs that they cannot stand because they're just used to it? That's not God. And guess what? You are not doing your organization a favor by being there and complaining. Let me, let me mind my business. The dead prophet, like I already said, was Jesus. But guess what? Elijah represented God. Elijah represented our God who gave us the Holy Spirit to enable us to walk in the fullness of what he died for. I cannot say it enough. How dare you forfeit the treasures of wellness, the treasures of wealth, the treasures of peace, the treasures of comfort, the treasures of godliness, the treasures of righteousness, because you're used to your way. Someone died so that you can live, and I don't care, you, you, you could be online right now worth $17 billion, Bill Gates. <laughs> that might be too low, I don't know. Elon Musk, whoever, I don't care what you're worth, money-wise, God is so not into that because you cannot buy your way into righteousness. You cannot buy your way into heaven. You cannot buy your way into health. You cannot buy your way into peace. You cannot buy your way into healthy relationships. You cannot buy your way into trust. Money is the biggest fool, the trick, biggest trick of all time. Just because you see a Christian that's wealthy doesn't mean that he has it all together. Amen. He made good decisions in this area. But just because you see a poor man doesn't mean that he doesn't have it together. 
because he has a family that loves him. He's raised his children up to honor God. So don't get caught up in the trick of chasing the bag. Faith is the firm foundation upon which we are surely persuaded that God's going to come through. That I, I am just positioning myself to walk in the fullness of what he has provided. Faith is not moved. Faith is not shaken. Faith doesn't care about where you come from. Faith does not look at your history. Faith does not care about what your mama and your dad didn't, did or didn't do. Faith does not care about your lack of education. Faith does not care about your, where you grew up at. Faith does not care about your, none of that. When you are in faith, you are saying that Christ, you are in me. I am in you. Your word is in me. I will abide there. I will fill my mind with your word. I will uh, uh, align myself with your wisdom. And I know that you are working it out for my good. And let me tell you something else. Parents, I just feel led to say this. The rise and or fall of your child does not determine how effective you may or may not be. God is able to deal with that child no matter where they are. I don't care if they're in jail, on the street corner, or up in Harvard's library. God is able to meet that child right where he is. Look at me. I, didn't, I never walked into a church until I was in my 20s. What the world did a Jesus do with me? What do you want with me? But when I got a hold of some truth, it was different. It was new. It was fresh. But it was so outside of where I was. And I dared to believe him. He said, just, just watch me. God don't back down from a, from a fight. He will show up and show out bigger than better than what you ever thought he would. So, again, let me tell you what I told you. They say, tell you what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what, they what you told them. Number one, faith recognizes value. Number two, faith has a plan. Number three, faith requires access. Number four, faith rewards diligence. Number five, faith, faith functions in multiplication. Number six, faith honors worth. And number seven, faith power rests in seeds. These are seven general operative principles of faith found in this one little story. And I can counterbalance that with a whole bunch of other scripture, but I'm going to leave that up to you to do because I believe that you want more than what you have right now. And if you just learn to be thankful in the, what you have and look at what you have, God can use it to not only deal with what you have to deal with, but so that you can be whole and live off of the rest. Amen.
So, Father God, I just thank you right now that the word that has gone forth, you'll confirm it with signs and wonders following. Father, I pray that the hearts and minds of your people are increasing in faith, that they dare to believe you at higher heights. For we know that your eyes right now are looking to and fro, seeking out that which you can show yourself strong to. So, Father, we declare right now we're here. We're here. We're chasing you, believing and trusting that you are there at all times and that we are positioning ourselves to walk in the fullness of what you've put us in the earth to do. We give you glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000 thanks again for listening have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you